Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ball Caps and Bagpipes, the Scottish Baseball Podcast. I'm the Glasgow Comets, John McKellar. And I'm Jason Durr, former uh, Baseball Scotland president and Hall of Famer. Now, Jason, I'm going to let that breathe for a moment uh, so that I don't talk over you like I did on several occasions in the last two episodes with you and Danny. Um, I don't know if there was some kind of an issue on my end with a delay that was causing that or if I was just too hopped up on caffeine to, to notice, but uh, apologies for that. Um, today, uh, we're going to talk about spring training, uh, something that I have only really recently started to bother with, even though I've been a fan of baseball for almost 20 years. Um, it's not like a football preseason where you'll have a couple of weeks of uh, fitness drills and then you'll play a couple of friendly matches and then it's on to the full season. What is it? Is it something along the lines of 30 ball games major league, major league teams play in spring training? You're looking at six or seven weeks before the season starts. So, you, you know, you get in there, you get your workouts in, and then you uh, start getting your, as much training again to play, you know, live hitting, live pitching, um, and you work on a few things. Is there a particular reason that baseball, or like even hockey, uh, the other North American sports, they don't have a preseason that's quite that long? Is there a specific reason that baseball players take that long to get ready? I think it comes out of tradition. I think uh, you look at, say, the guys in the 50s and 60s and probably in the 70s, uh, they had an off-season job. You know, you would be like selling tires or uh, you'd be selling, selling ladies Maytag. And then you'd actually have to get in shape for spring training so you'd be ready for the season. I mean, obviously now the guys make enough money that they, they and from what I understand, they may take or two off and recover from any kind of injuries or like that. But uh, pretty much they train year round now. So um, one thing I did notice the past couple of years is that the first positions to report are always pitchers and catchers. And they usually report a few days to a week before the rest of the team. Do you know the reason for that? Is that just a chance for them to shoot the shit and get used to each other as people? Uh, obviously, a uh, pitcher, catcher, battery is, you know, chemistry is kind of more important probably between those two roles, or is it something entirely different? I think you have to get to know your, who your, your battery is, get used to that. If you've signed a catcher or your new pitcher, you know, it will be the first time they've actually been able to play catch. Uh, whereas batting, you can go to a cage, you can have people throw to you all the time. So you can work on stuff, but definitely with the, with pitchers and catchers, you know, it's a chance for them to kind of actually work with stuff. You kind of pick, you might want to pick up in the off season. Maybe you've gone to a new team and they're trying to teach you a new grip of something or encourage you to throw your slider more uh, and just kind of get more of the uh, team philosophy about pitching. Or teach you how to uh, <clears throat> drum. No, not you. You wouldn't do that for all the teams there. So, <laughs> um, one other thing I picked up on is that uh, for the first like sort of week to two weeks, um, even uh, still now, uh, a week and a half, two weeks into spring training, you're not really seeing a lot of the big name players yet. Uh, they're not getting their three, four at bats at all. Um, starters are still only going two, three innings. Uh, if they if they have a good outing, um, is there a reason that it takes so long for the established players to kind of come in? Now, obviously, you've got there's there's the positive to this part of it where it's kind of a showcase of your minor league players and your younger guys, giving them a, a look and having a giving them a chance to try and possibly make the roster on opening day. Um, but is there a reason that it takes so long uh, for these established players to come in? I don't think Aroldis Chapman has pitched yet this spring. 
No, you're going to showcase guys you normally don't get to see. So, you know, your managers and your scouts might be say, well, let's take the Yankees. You know, they're, they're, you're in New York or you're on the road. You're not going to take a day off to go and visit your minor league affiliate to go see how this guy's throwing. You're just going to take the words of the scouts and, and the, 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 the people involved with that. So, you know, spring training gives you a chance for them to go and say, you know, watch him throw for a day or two. Obviously, with the video now, things are a little bit different, but, you know, um, it's still nice to have some eyes on the ball and see what they can do in person and uh, see stuff on video. Now, how much importance does doing well in spring actually hold? Uh, we spoke off air about averages and ERAs. Statistics tend to be quite skewed. Um, how important are statistics at this point of the year? It, they don't make a difference. Like I said, um, guys are working on, say, change-ups and, and a new curveball and stuff like that there. So, you know, they're, they're bound to hang a, a 0-2 curveball to a guy because they're working on a pitch there and the guy's crushing it. You know, batters always tend to come in a little bit uh, hotter than pitchers. Um, and pitchers are just working on stuff. So, you know, it's, it's not unusual to see them, you know, get lit up because you know, they're working on a pitch that they were trying to fool guys on, you know, and, um, it's it's just the way it is. So I wouldn't, you know, I, I've I've seen on Twitter there's quite a few people who are excited about guys batting 500 right now, and you know they're one of the top prospects. But you know it's it's pretty easy to uh, to do well in spring training um, because just because pitchers are working on stuff. Now if you pay attention to the last two weeks, you're going to see everyone's top prospects versus all the pros, and that's when you need to really start paying attention to how guys are doing then. Spring training, yeah, it's a bit of a laugh, and uh, it's just it's kind of a they're basically, it's a bunch of guys playing catch um, and having a laugh. It's not something that needs to be taken seriously. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still baseball on TV and it's been going for a very long time, it felt like this year. So it's uh, good to have it back. Um, not, not only that, it's, it gives you a chance to watch maybe the minor leaguers you hear about. Like, uh, you know, you can get highlights through social media and whatnot. Um, but, you know, maybe you've heard about your top prospect who's in double A. This gives you a chance to actually watch them on MLB TV because I know most people don't have the minor league um, TV. So, you know, it, it, it is kind of fun. You know, it's, yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, watch it when you can. It's a lot of fun. Um, and just uh, enjoy it. Yeah, like I said. It's baseball on, and you know it's been a long three months. Even though the, everything's been in the news, um, you know I, I'm pretty excited for the season to start. Same here. It's going to be a, a great season. I think uh, there are so many teams that could potentially compete this year. So many absolutely phenomenal players in the league that, right now. I think uh, this is probably one of the most talented groups of players in their prime that I've seen since I was kind of a teenager. Uh, to be honest with you. So it's it's going to be a great season, I think. Um, to bring it across the pond, uh, we are, are also in the throes of spring training. It's not quite as big a deal as it is in the major leagues, and it certainly doesn't take uh, you know the seven weeks of <coughs> constant, uh, constant training. However, our teams are indeed in training just now. Um, you, obviously, you would have had quite a few spring trainings as a player and also as president of the league. Do you have any particular memories of spring training? Uh, it was mostly meeting new guys. You'd have guys who would get in touch in the off season, so it was a lot of meet and greet and um, just you know chat with guys and find out where they're from. You'd get emails from guys and you know say they're from the states, and you'd have the assumption they would be really good and they just were passionate for the game instead. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of fun just kind of getting to know everyone those, those first couple of weeks, and then. Um, seeing how they fit with the team. So did you ever meet anyone who was that way where it was they had a great spring um, to start with 
but then when it came to the regular season, they just struggled. Did you ever meet anyone in the in our league that was like that? Uh, no, I can't remember any of the top of my head. Um, most of the guys were just maybe a little bit rusty uh, for not playing for say four or five, six years. Um, and I, you know, got surprised by anybody that had a cricket background because they would come in and usually be able to hit right off the bat. So uh, it was always a nice surprise to see, you know, find out somebody had uh, played a few years of cricket, so the hand-eye coordination was there so they could hit. You know, it's interesting you say that. We, in the comments, have had a couple of guys like that exactly the, the same way. Um, they'll come in, they've played cricket for years, they haven't got the first idea about baseball, but when they swing that bat, that hand-eye coordination and the bat speed is there, and they'll hit the ball for a mile. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it is. I mean, I, I think that was probably the, the thing that I, I struggled the most with the pitchers. You could tell when you came across somebody that was a cricket player and they would just foul ball after ball after ball. <laughs> and it was like, God damn, it was just strike out. But, you know, <laughs> that's what they do. You know, I mean, it's, it's cricket. You know, you, you keep knocking the ball to get the thing you like and then you bash the crap out of it. Yep, it's a, an underrated weapon, I think. Um, we need to have more ex-crickers. <laughs> in the league uh, to combat these pitchers? Uh, you know, I think you're seeing a little bit more of a crossover. I know for years, um, the England national team and now the Scottish national team are, are hiring um, people with a baseball background to uh, play catch uh, and improve their arm strength more and, um, you know, learn how to position yourself better for, uh, for, for catching the ball in the air. So, you know, you're going to see more and more crossover um, kind of like you see with rugby and American football, you know, the, they kind of steal from each other all the time. Do we have anything else really to talk about with regards to spring training? No, I think we're okay at the moment. Let's let's bring uh, Federico on and uh, let's hear about this tournament coming up. Yeah, we're going to chat with uh, Federico Gambidotti of the Aberdeen Baseball Club. I believe he plays for the Oilers. Um, however, as we were talking about earlier off here, um, neither of the two of us is really all that clued up on either of the Aberdeen teams. We know the basics. But we um, haven't really had a chance to properly get a chat with any of the Aberdeen guys or ladies. So it's going to be great to have a chat with Federico this evening. As you said, uh, as you alluded to there, we're going to talk about the upcoming tournament in Aberdeen, um, which is taking place on our opening day weekend. Let's chat about that. And we've got uh, Federico Gambidotti on the show now, Jason. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. So nice to hear from you. Thanks very much for joining us this evening, Federico. Um, it's been uh, a while coming. We haven't had a chance to speak with anyone involved with Aberdeen Baseball on the show yet. Uh, we were discussing earlier that we neither of us really is all that clued up on the operation in Aberdeen, so it's going to be great to have a chat with yourself this evening. I know that you've been, a, you've been quite a, a core part of, I think, the Oilers, am I right? Yes, yeah. Uh, I've always played with the Oilers since I came in Scotland. Okay. And how long have you been in Scotland, Federico? I came in uh, September 17, 2017, and uh, played in the 18 and 19 season, and then starting 2020. Excellent. Um, did you play baseball previously in your home home country of Italy? Uh, yes. So I grew up playing baseball because my dad was a big baseball fan. So I started playing when I was five or six years old, played most of my life in Italy, and then uh, Played one year of high school baseball in the U.S., in uh, California, and then moved to Scotland for university. Nice one, man. Um, what positions do you primarily play then? Uh, I always played middle infield or outfielder, and uh, 
I obviously pitched a little bit because uh, growing up, everybody gets the chance to, to pitch a few games. So, yeah, I've been moving around a little bit in between positions. I think that's pretty much a staple of Scottish baseball. You, you may play one position, but you most likely play about four or five different positions. Yeah, definitely, yes. You mentioned that you played a year of high school ball in the United States. When you moved over there, did you find that to be a huge jump in quality or was it kind of an easier transition than you expected going from Italy um, to you know, American high school ball? I do know that there are some uh, some fairly well structured teams in Italy. We, on the comments, had a guy, Marco, who used to play um, over in Italy as well. So there is kind of a core of baseball there already. Did, was it much of a jump to go to the States? Uh, personally, I feel like uh, it wasn't too much of a big difference between the level of baseball, the baseball and in the US. Uh, probably because I was quite lucky to grow up in a team that has... Uh, that has like multiple categories growing up. So there is like the under 12, under 15, under 18 uh, category. So you obviously get to the chance to play against players your same age and get many games in. So when I moved in, I felt like my level of baseball was about the same as the other students in my high school. Uh, I have to say that my high school wasn't the highest uh, baseball level you could have expected in the, in the US. Uh, we did play against some other teams that were extremely impressive. But I would say that for me personally, it was about the same level that I was used to uh, back in Italy. Now, John probably won't know this, and I do. So especially if you're in California, I think there's six levels of high schools. So if you're like in the, the Division Six, you're talking about 2,000 people in your class. And so if you make the baseball team, you are definitely the best of the best. Okay, so yeah, obviously they have uh, freshmen, uh, JV and varsity. Uh, I was in the varsity team, which is the highest level in the high school, yeah. I guess. Um, I don't know, I feel like overall, um, the difference between American baseball and uh, European baseball comes after high school. Because like when you go to college and then you get developed in one specific position with uh, uh, a good coaching staff. I feel like that's when uh, there is like such a big difference. And that's why so many American players succeed in the MLB while there are so few European players. But I feel like up to 17, 18 years old is mostly your how, how, how long you've been playing for. So I feel like I was still like keeping... Uh, I mean, I was like on track with the other players back at the time. Yeah, that's that's about right. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're, you're gonna play at a certain level, you'd be fine. And then when you, you know, it's the best, the best to go on to play university ball and obviously get drafted. So, um, so Federico, um, you played uh, for quite some time in Italy. You played at uh, the highest level of high school in America, as you said. Talk talk to us about how you ended up becoming a player in Scotland. Um, when did you? How did you end up making that move here? Um, you mentioned that it was for university, um, but how did you find baseball when you arrived? Uh, so yes, finished my high school uh, in the US. So I graduated from the US, and I was obviously considering uh, going to university in the United States. Unfortunately, because of costs and also because my family didn't really like the idea of me living like multiple flights away 
uh, I ended up choosing a more reasonable uh, location for my studies, in this case, the UK. And, um, and yes, so I think that I was pushed, I would not pushed, but like I was talking with my parents and we decided that the UK was the best option for me. And then applying to different universities and uh, looking at the different degrees that they had, the maths and physics at the University of Aberdeen. So this is how I, I moved in Aberdeen in September, 2017. And uh, I remember that when I came, uh, I was actually a little bit late to play the last uh, end, the, the final games of, uh, of the season for the 2017 Scottish National League. But I trained over the winter and then joined uh, the beginning of the season in April 2018. Um, I, my first game, I remember, was, I think, was 6th of April 2018 and was in Aberdeen uh, against the Edinburgh Giants. And and it was, it, it was a really nice game. I feel like our team, the Oilers, that season had... Uh, a lot of talent and many experienced players that made it like really fun to to compete in the season. Uh, I remember that I I thought that the level of baseball was quite, was quite mixed. We had, uh, as I said, many talented players. Some other players that were just new to the to the sport, so they maybe had played for one or two years. So yeah, obviously, as as you play the game, sometimes I feel like there are more more closer games where there is, uh, I don't know, like a, some serious competition going on. Like I remember like the Galaxy, Galaxy Oilers, my, in 2018 was a, a really exciting double header in Glasgow. And then, uh, and then there were like some other games where, I mean, sometimes you might lose or win by a, a big run difference. So I feel like, yeah, the level was quite mixed. But I feel like overall, every season gets better. So the overall level of every team is increasing quite quickly every single season. I would absolutely agree with that, Federico. And you mentioned a lot of the veteran and uh, established talent that the Oilers had back in that 2017 season. I don't know um, how much of that year you would have gotten to share the diamond with Stephen Evans, who I think was quite... um, he was quite pivotal in the growth of baseball in Aberdeen. Did you get to spend much time with him? And uh, tell us, uh, if you did, uh, tell us about the experience of learning uh, about baseball from him because he was a tremendous, tremendous force uh, for, for growth for baseball in Aberdeen. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, obviously, Stephen Evans founded the club, uh, both the Granite City Oilers, so the Aberdeen Baseball Club, and the University uh, of Aberdeen Baseball Club, um, he, he developed the team. He got so many people involved as inside of the game, like players, but also outside, people that organize uh, the games and events for the club. Uh, I mean, he knows so much about baseball. Like, if you, have, if you want to talk pitching about him, he can probably go on for hours and tell you everything about any pitcher from any team. So, obviously, like, with his great knowledge and passion for the game, he has been able to to promote baseball so genuinely. Like I feel like it was like really part of his day to just come to the field and teach people how to play baseball and help them improve their game. 
Yeah, I was actually quite lucky because I spent uh, quite a bit of time with him. Uh, we played together the 2018 season and uh, we actually lived together over the summer. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, because as a student, I didn't have a flat. I was in student accommodations for my first year. So when when summer came around, uh, I needed to find a flat. And uh, yeah, so I I spent most of the summer living with Stephen. And yeah, like the real question yes. is Stephen a good roommate? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, we have such we had such a great time. Uh, dogs. Yeah, I, I imagine you guys. So, chatting baseball watching baseball i bet it was probably one of the best summers you had yes definitely yes it was now now we have to now we have to get steven on and ask him the same yeah, question jason <laughs> was federico <laughs> <or> <laughs> who was the best yeah. you know was it like a couple was somebody clean and somebody dirty <laughs> no, no 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 it was just a, a great time yeah as you said like it was baseball uh, baseball almost every day just like Waking up and like uh, going out with the dogs and then field all day. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good summer. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Stephen is quite sadly missed by uh, the Aberdeen clubs and by Baseball Scotland in general. Um, he was a great ambassador. Um, back to you. Um, did you have any uh, personal highlights um, regarding your on field performance? Uh, do you have any areas where you feel that you're stronger, uh, whether it be hitting, fielding, pitching? Um, Talk us through kind of the first year or two of your tenure as a player in this league. Me personally, so yeah. So I, I mean, I believe that the most important part of the game is hitting. So that's where I focus most of my training. Uh, I think that you can overcome a defensive error by hitting a double or contributing offensively to what your club, uh, what your team does. So, so yeah, I. A lot of emphasis on my eating. Unfortunately, I'm not a powerful hitter. I need to settle for my contact skills. So I try to have a high batting average, eat, hit as many doubles as, as I can. And uh, yeah, when I get on first base, just try to get, try to steal second base, be in scoring position as often as I can. That's, uh, that's usually the type uh, of game that I try to play. Um, so I my first year I feel like I had a, I had a really good hitting performance, uh, as I said, working a lot on my batting average, making sure to hit the ball square as often as I could, um, and then defensively, uh, I played most of the season at shortstop. I did have a few games at third base, I think. Um, yeah, I was just doing you know just. Play, filling the shortstop position, just making sure to fill the ball as clean as I can and make nice throws to first base. But yeah, my first year, I emphasized a lot on my on my hitting. Uh, I pitched a lot uh, as well. Um, as I said, growing up, I, did, I, I was a, a pitcher as well sometimes. But joining the Grand City Oilers, I've been spending more time on the mound. So I trained a lot as well for pitching and Steve really helped uh, develop my pitching skills. Um, yeah, so this was pretty much my first season. Uh, my second season, so yes, in the 2019 season, I tried to develop 
uh, my power a little bit more. And uh, so, yeah, obviously my batting average went down a little bit. And then uh, my pitching performance, I feel like, was not as good for multiple reasons. Uh, on my personal side, I feel that uh, my pitching training was not as uh, as good uh, quality-wise comparing to the year to the previous year because of obviously uh, like Steven was in there, so he definitely helped a lot with my pitching and other pitchers as well. And uh, and then obviously the the league was getting better every year. I feel like my first season I was just uh, I was just like taking advantage of my fastball as often as I could but in my second season I feel like everybody was was ready for my for my speed so I had to work more on breaking pitches and other things that obviously are are more difficult to throw and develop so definitely uh was a difficult year for my pitching performance now you say it was a difficult year for the I'm looking at the stat line just now it looks like you struck out exactly 100 batters (laughs) <laughs> last season and uh, regarding uh, your your performance at the plate you batted 438 so I don't think there was that much of a, a drop off certainly not to the point that you no. should be worried um, you stole a, a lot of bases also 12 bases stolen and you, you walked a fair amount um, so I think overall those five tools were I think you utilised them pretty well and you, you pitched uh, pretty superbly I, I remember there was one there was a double header at our field, and I think you pitched the yes. first game, mm-hmm. and uh, you you pretty much locked us down. Uh, you locked us down for pretty much the entire game. That was a miserable day at the plate. Uh, no, yeah, I remember that the game. Yeah, I, I felt really well. It was uh, was it the the last was towards the end of the season? Yeah, it was. Yes, I think it was probably our second last. It was either our second last weekend of play. Or it was our set. It was. It was definitely. I think our last. Uh, oh, it may have been our last uh-huh. home, home stand that we had of the year. It was late on. I think it was probably. Yeah, I late think so. August. Yeah. I would like. I would like to say. Yeah, it was fun. It was a long day at the <laughs> park. It was fun, but that first game was not. Was not a good. A good game to hit in for us at all. You pretty much nailed us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean. Well, when I get when I get on the mound, like it's, it's my job to throw hard. <laughs> yeah, Jason, I don't think that you've ever. It's, you obviously will never have faced this fellow, right. but okay, he yes, throws no. hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, uh, moving forward to kind of now and what's coming, do you have any goals as a club and also yourself as a player moving into two thousand twenty? So obviously, the Aberdeen Baseball Club is growing every year we have more members more players and more people are involved overall with the club from sponsors to volunteers so the gl- the club is is growing really fast uh obviously we have two teams inside which are the granite city oilers and the aberdeen express um both teams had a, had a good season last year especially the aberdeen express that uh reached the final against the the glasgow galaxy so I would say that uh, the two teams are currently focusing on different goals. I would say that the Oilers need to have a more solid performance comparing to the previous year. So we're trying to to develop more players in order to be more competitive uh, for this season. While obviously the Express are trying to 
match their previous performance and then hopefully go a step further. So slightly different point of views. The Oilers have uh, uh, maybe younger players as well that hopefully will perform better yet this uh, in the 2020 season. While the Espress have uh, a core of uh, solid players that are already able to perform and do well. Uh, I was thinking about me personally as goals for the season. Um, I would say that my first goal would be to be healthier, being able to to play every single game with the same uh, quality and the same uh, consistency. So be able to throw hard every single game when I'm pitching and being able to hit and run as consistently as I can. I feel like sometimes uh, uh, last year I had some... I had a bit of slump at the beginning of the season. And then, so I wasn't hitting very well. And uh, my arm felt a bit sore in uh, during a few games. So, so definitely trying to be healthier this season. And just trying to be a better athlete overall. So being able to run faster and have a better mechanics as well on my swing. So we'll see how it goes. Are you doing anything in particular in winter training to try and uh, ensure that that does happen? Have you made any adjustments to your winter training uh, and how you're going about your business uh, to try and improve these things um, and try and ensure that you're able to play every game at your uh-huh. kind of highest level? So, well, obviously, baseball is uh, is a sport that puts together so many aspects of uh, being an athlete because you need to be strong and fast and have a good technique when you're fielding and throwing and hitting. So I obviously, I try to focus on two different areas, like the aspects of the game, like so being able to field the ball with a good consistent mechanics and being able to throw uh, as well as I can. And then on the other side, uh, I try to be being able to be faster, stronger, and all the other things. So from a, a baseball point of view, uh, I train with the Aberdeen University Baseball Club and with the Aberdeen Baseball Club. So we've been training throughout the, the winter, usually two trainings a week, sometimes three. Um, just like to get used to to not lose the the focus and the rhythm from from the game of baseball so so just keeping that low but consistent training going on for the winter and now in the past 2 3 weeks we've been going outside so doing more batting practice and actually playing on the field which obviously which obviously like helps helps like getting as many reps on the field where you play the games is actually what matters because training in a gym with the synthetic turf is not the same feeling is not the same game and uh, and then for my personal athletic performance i just try to go run uh sprints pretty much and then uh, try to swim once in a while just to keep my shoulders healthy and and then going to the gym sometimes just being sure that like I can keep my my core and my upper body lower body all balanced and yeah this is usually what I try to do great man um let's move on to the Aberdeen University tournament 
that we have coming up. It's a three-day event, uh, 27th to 29th yes. of March, am I right? Um, talk us through the particulars of that. It's not something that either Jason or I are particularly well-versed on. Um, how did this come about? Um, what are you expecting on the day? Um, I know that there is a qualifying weekend. Is it the this Sunday? It's next Sunday, yes. Sunday? Uh, Sunday, 15th of March, the Aberdeen University Baseball Club is playing against the University of Stirling. So both teams are in the Scottish division for the uh, University National Baseball League. And uh, this will be the final game of the season and both teams can still qualify for the finals in London. So, yeah, it's pretty much going to be a head-to-head. Whoever wins gets uh, access to, to the finals. So it's going to be a very exciting weekend. We've played Sterling before last year and this year as well. And uh, it's always been tight games. So we expect it to be a, a challenging a challenging day for, for our club. But we're sure that the players will do their best. And then the weekend after, so no, two weekends after, is going to be, yes, the Aberdeen University Baseball Tournament, uh, the four-seam baseball tournament, which will be a three-day tournament, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the 27th, 28th, and 29th of March. And what we decided, so the idea came out because playing in Aberdeen, obviously we are quite north compared to many other clubs in the UK. So we always... Uh, play in a Scottish division or Northern division. So we always play the same teams. We always play, uh, obviously, like uh, Sterling and then Glasgow and Edinburgh. This year, didn't have university teams, but we will be playing against them. And then, in general, the Northern UK and the English clubs. So we really wanted to play against someone else. And we tried to put together this tournament which has three main goals. I mean, obviously, we want to play more games, so that was our first goal. And then the second goal was to have a big event so that locals could actually see, like, uh, see live baseball in Scotland. And the third, uh, the third part of, uh, of the tournament is to promote it as much on social media. So we have put together a set, a, a team of photographers and videographers that will take interviews and videos throughout the game and we'll post them so that uh, hopefully more people in Scotland would hear about baseball and uh, will come join the club or support the teams and this is our final goal so make sure that people know about baseball and get involved. Sounds great man. Um, now how many teams are involved and exactly which teams So are our they? goal is to get six teams and uh, we have spoken with uh, so, so the deadline to apply is not uh, is not here yet. is is the fifteenth of uh, March, which is next Sunday, next week. Right. And um, so, for many clubs in the UK, it can be quite of a of a travel getting to Aberdeen. So, the clubs interested at the moment are Stirling, uh, University of Stirling, University of Hull, and Cambridge University. And we're trying to involve other two clubs that hopefully we'll be able to to reach like the six uh, six teams uh, in the tournament, yeah. Nice one. I hope that does uh, come to pass. Um, it's a great idea. Um, it's another fantastic idea and a way of 
growing the sport in not just Scotland but the UK in general if there's going to be clubs coming up from Hull or Cambridge hopefully um, I wish you guys all the best with that uh, Jason do you have anything you want to touch uh, on regarding the tournament? So I was wondering uh, I, obviously I've not played for two years three years now um, how is the level of Stirling University because I know they were always trying to get a team together and they never could quite do it so uh, yeah I'm curious just um, because uh, do any of the guys actually play in the Scottish League when it comes to summertime? Uh, yes, yeah, so Sterling University has a good baseball club. Um, I would say that they have a core of uh, five, six experienced players that play solid baseball, so a good level of baseball. And then they have uh, a few other players that complete the team and that are developing their skills at the moment. But it's a, it's a really good team for being university level. So they have good pitching and good hitting. So it's always a really nice matchup when they come up to Aberdeen. And the other question I had is, you guys call yourself the Kings. Now, where, how did you guys come to the name of the Aberdeen University Kings? Uh, it, it comes from the main uh, university building that we have on campus, King's College. King's College. Okay, that's it. We were. We, I was wondering that for a long time. and I don't actually go to Aberdeen all that often, so that would make a whole lot of sense. One other thing I wanted to touch on regarding the tournament um, is the final day of that tournament will be the, the Sunday 29th of March, which is opening day for our, uh, the Scottish National League. Um, do you, or is there any kind of a feeling in Aberdeen that um, you're kind of missing out in any way uh, with not being able to play a league game that weekend? Um, I mean, obviously, this uh, uh, this will... will mm, the fact that we're playing a tournament on the opening day, uh, the 29th of March, will might cause our team to be slightly behind on their uh, getting ready for the season because obviously the week after this will be the second team for most teams in the Scottish League, while for us will be only the first one. Um, I don't think that we'll have a, a huge impact. I'm sure that the Oilers and the Express will get the chance to play spring training games and get ready for the season in another way. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think it will be a, a big miss out, missing out. And the last thing I want to touch on regarding Aberdeen baseball with you this evening, Federico, is um, the prevalence of ladies on both the Oilers and Express. Um, it's Women in sport is something that I think is still sorely needed more of uh, across the board. You guys in Aberdeen seem to be leading the charge with regards to ladies in baseball in Scotland. Is this a conscious effort on you guys' part? Um, or have you guys just uh, happened to, to run into more ladies? Uh, yes, this is a, a conscious effort. Uh, our club has always tried to involve as many females as possible. We want, I mean, it's a, it's a mixed baseball league. So we think that uh, both uh, women athletes and men athletes should be represented on the club. So we obviously try to involve as many female players as we can. Uh, this year we have had, uh, I think it's 12 female players between uh, University and Aberdeen Baseball Club. So we're really proud of uh, where, we, where we are right now. And uh, we're actually proud to host uh, the first uh, training on International Women's Day on Sunday, the 8th of March as well. Uh, so we will have uh, 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 women baseball players from all over Scotland coming to Aberdeen for, for a training and a day of baseball and getting to know each other and, yeah, spreading the love for baseball around the country, yeah. 
That's great, man. That is that's that's great. I think it's very commendable. Um, and I uh, want to wish you personally and obviously both Aberdeen teams uh, all the best for the coming season. Um, thank you very much. Have a great you year. too for for the comments and thank you for having me here, Jason and uh, and John. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you down in Edinburgh and I'll come down and say hi and catch a game or two. So, Oh, that's great. Fantastic. So again, that was uh, Federico Gambadotti of the Granite City Oilers. Uh, thanks again, Federico, for coming on. Um, great chat. It was great. Thought, it was finally nice to chat to him. I've heard so much about him. Um, I'm excited for the tournament they have on with Aberdeen University. It's good to see that the university sports are going in Scotland. Yep, and uh, also like I touched on, the women as well up in Aberdeen are whatever it is that they're doing to get women involved in baseball is working. You know, I know that there are one or two uh, in Edinburgh. There's uh, currently one playing for a team in Glasgow, um, but like he said, a dozen uh, women between the uh, Aberdeen club and the university. They're making great strides uh, to include more women. So I think uh, this should definitely be commended on that. Um, Great insights uh, from Federico as well. I didn't realise that he played ball in the United States in high school. No, that was uh, interesting to find out. And it, it was curious to find out that uh, he was, thought it was about the same level he played in Italy. So, you know, uh, watch out. That could be uh, the next pipeline of major league players might come from Italy. Quite possibly. I mean, we like I said earlier, we have in Glasgow had a couple of particularly strong Italian players. There was Marco and uh, also Ricardo who pitched for the Galaxy uh, a few years back. These are guys who played to quite a high level in Italy as well. So who knows? We could start to see, you know, Major League Scouts start to look towards Italy moving forward a bit more. So I know the first guy to sign from Europe, uh, I don't know, maybe it was not... The Mariners signed him, and it was Alex Liddy, and he was a shortstop. I think they eventually moved him to second base on there, but uh, I definitely remember him being one of the first guys signed through Europe to play, um, obviously, in the States. And, of course, there's uh, Max Kepler, who came out of Germany um, and was signed. Yeah, um, there seems to be more European players now than there were when I was a kid, even, uh, which wasn't too long ago. Um, it seems like Europe is beginning to it's, start, it's starting to trickle through. Um, obviously, not to the extent that Japanese players have started to proliferate in the U, uh, in the US and Major League Baseball, but I think it could eventually get to that level. Absolutely, like I said, it'd be fun to watch. It'd be it, it, you know, it's getting bigger and bigger every year. I know when you head to the mainland, there's definitely much much stronger teams out there. So. Um, hopefully the London games you know, attract more people from Europe into the game and uh, we'll see if it comes back uh, next year or if it goes somewhere say like Berlin or Barcelona or something like that. Yeah, that's something I uh, hadn't thought of either actually like there's nothing to say that it stays in London it could go further east to mainland Europe uh, there are some huge and uh, quite stunning stadiums in, across Europe as well so if I'm Rob Manfred, if I'm Major League Baseball, if the London series starts to lose its luster in any way, shape or form, there's an entire continent of uh, countries that are out there that could potentially be uh, you know, large markets for, for these games. Well, that's interesting. So there's still tickets for the MLB game, London games now, which was you know, sold out mm -hmm. immediately last year. So um, we'll be curious to see how it goes with the Euros this year. It's definitely keeping people from coming over. Um uh, I think the timing's a little different than last year too, but 
yeah, I guess, you know, we really need it to sell out so it can at least have the possibility of coming back to London or somewhere else in Europe. Yeah, I mean, setting aside my hatred of Rob Manfred and my... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a willing... I'm kind of uh, stabbing at a voodoo doll, hoping that any idea of Rob Manfred's will fail. But, um, you know, the London games were great for the profile of baseball in the UK last year. So it would be a shame if a poorly performing London series kind of robs other markets in Europe of that experience. Um, we'll see how it goes this uh, this coming summer. Yeah, I mean, you you you're not going to deny the Euros; it's the top sport in Europe. Um, it, you know, people are going to go and watch it. I mean, I, I'm excited for the Euros. I can't wait to watch it this year. And I, don't, I don't even have a country to root for. Um, so, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, you know, I hope it sells out. I still plan to go. Um, and, and catch at least one of the games. I know the second game was moved from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock to uh, not butt up against the England game, which is the same time it starts at 1 o'clock. I see. I didn't actually know about the change, uh, the time change. Oh, yeah. It was. It was. It happened fairly recently. I saw that because then I was thinking that I could do the Saturday game and then catch a 10 o'clock in the morning train back up to Edinburgh and then uh, be up at 2.30 and then still have time to catch the the four o'clock game uh, and, and still be able to watch the whole series. Okay. Um, well, that sounds, sounds ideal actually. Alrighty. So um, let's uh, put a pin in that for now and move on to the close. Um, what do we have for the listeners on this particular day in baseball history? This is uh, obviously as we record this, this is Friday evening. Um, we're a couple of dads, so uh, we're not out partying. We're sitting recording the podcast about baseball instead. Um, what do we have uh on your bubba on, on baseball uh, accounts for this so particular this is how day we roll. in so baseball this is how we roll. So, you know, Friday nights are no longer the Friday nights we used to know. Uh, so this time in 1973, it was the first chance uh, to test out the designated hitter. So Larry Hissel of the Minnesota Twins uh, had set two home runs and seven RBIs versus the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, and the whole idea behind having the designated hitter was to inject more offense into the game. What are you? Now, we are both fans of American League teams. I'm a Yankees fan, you're a Mariners fan. So there could be the potential for bias here. However, I know how I feel about the DH. What are your thoughts on the Disney to have? So I, I, I like the fact that both leagues have both. Um, I, I like National League. I like watching the, the pitchers bat. Now, I know a lot of people don't, but I also grew up watching a lot of Cubs games and a lot of Braves games. So uh, I like the strategy behind you know the double switch and making sure you have that. But, uh, you know, I, I can understand why people don't, you know, they don't want your pitcher batting. You don't want them hurting, hitting, uh, hurting themselves. Um, but, they're, you know, funny enough, it was uh, – I was I follow Ferguson Jenkins, who is a, a Hall of Famer, and uh, the, he was saying his first at bat he hit a home run off Don Sutton, another Hall of Famer. So you know, the, back in the day, pitchers could swing the stick. This is kind of why, you know, I personally am not a fan of the designated hitter. Uh, I think it should be done away with. Uh, I don't like the way it's going, where it's going to probably expand to the next couple of years into the NL. Um, I think if you're a baseball player, you should be playing both sides of the ball. Um, it's a pitcher's responsibility to be able to hit. And if pitchers can't hit, it's not really something that you should just take out of the game completely by replacing them with the designated hitter. It's not something I'm a fan of at all. And this is, I'm saying this as a Yankee fan who we have, I mean, we benefited from the DH as much as anyone. We've had guys like Hideki Matsui 
become full time DHs and uh, have like almost an entire other career. Uh, we, uh, you know, for after like an injury or after you know their bodies breaking down after you know years of playing a position. Um, we had Alex Rodriguez at the moment. We, well, occasionally have Giancarlo <laughs> Stanton. <laughs> you know, but I would rather see each player play both sides of the ball, especially considering the obscene amounts of money that these ball players are on these days. Um, I don't think it's really expecting too much to expect them to be able to play, you know, the game in its entirety. Um, it's one of the reasons that I'm not an advocate of a guy like Edgar Martinez being a Hall of Famer. Uh, I do appreciate that his numbers are Hall of Fame numbers. He was a tremendous hitter, but he was only a hitter. He didn't play both sides of the ball and when he, in, early in his career when he did, he wasn't exactly anything to write home about as a fielder. So uh, I, I just I have strong feelings against the DH. Um, so I think it was uh, a dark day in, in baseball history in 1973. Yeah, we, we, this might be the last podcast. You just insulted one of my favorite players. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. Like I say, I do appreciate the cult of Edgar. He was an absolutely phenomenal hitter. Um, he's one of the best hitters I've ever seen. Is he a Hall of Famer because he was a great hitter? Yeah, I mean, he's Hall of he has Hall of Fame offensive numbers, but he only had to concentrate on half the game. That's just the way I see it. I don't like it. the flip thing about um, anyone that's in the Hall of Fame for the defense. Well, that's it. I mean, definitely. I mean, to be in the Hall of Fame, you need to be. You need to be. You need to excel at both sides. You know, if you excel at both sides, then you should be a Hall of Famer. You should never be a Hall of Famer for excelling at one of them. A Hall of Famer should always be so, a five-tool player. Otherwise, what's the point of the we'll, Hall of Fame? We'll end it on this one. So then, where do you stand in Mario Rivera? <laughs> Mariano Rivera is the greatest relief pitcher of all time. Um, there is a, I think there is a difference when it's a relief pitcher because that's a specialised role. Um, yes, you could say that DH is a specialised role. However, it's a role that's been kind of shoehorned into the game, whereas I think the relief pitcher has evolved more naturally. Um, that would probably be massive. I don't think that Mo should have been a unanimous Hall of Famer. I mean... If if anyone was going to be a United's Hall of Famer, it should have probably been uh, Ken Griffey Jr. in an ideal world. I think that that was probably derailed by injury. Yeah, I lost you there. So, nope. <laughs> that's all right. We're going off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, that's, just, that's just my stance uh, on it. You know, I think... The two are different arguments. I, I have seen that argument before of, uh, you know, if a DH shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, then neither should a closing pitcher. But they're, they're different arguments. The, the the role of the closer has evolved more naturally, whereas the DH is just, here's a guy who can hit well still, but can't play defense, so let's just chuck him but in then, the okay, DH you spot. Think of this way, so say, He's only, um, Ed, Edgar, there was no DH you had to put. They would have found a spot for Ed, whether it had been third base or first base. His bat would have forced his way into mm-hmm. the lineup. But since they had that, they could put him at DH. Yeah. Would his defensive issues not have impacted uh, his Hall of Fame credentials, though? Yes and no. I mean, the, the, the biggest argument would be um, uh, Jim Edmonds. Now, he was a slightly above a- average hitter. And a, a spectacular uh, fielder. 
Uh, and if you look at his his uh, his analytics and look at his his WAR, he was amazing. But everyone's like never appreciated Jim Edmonds. So every time we talk to anybody that's a Cardinal fan, they always talk about how Jim Edmonds has been robbed from the Hall of Fame. I completely agree with that. I mean, I think a Jim Edmonds is the kind of guy who should be getting consideration uh, for the Hall of Fame over a guy like Edgar because he played both sides of the ball to a very high standard. And, and I'll tell you, as much as and you know how much I love Derek Jeter, he should not have been in a unanimous Hall of Famer. You have this whole furor about the the missing, you know, the one missing ballot that he wasn't on, and all these people wanting to identify the person and lynch them in the street. It's it's completely ludicrous. Derek Jeter wasn't a Hall of Fame shortstop. He won five World Series. He was one of the greatest contact hitters of his generation. Um, you know, by all appearances, he played clean in a very kind of, <laughs> shall we say, controversial era. Um, and he was a Hall of Fame human being in terms of being a captain of the Yankees and a leader. Um, but I don't think that he was even warranted. To, I think it was 90, 99.7%, I think, yeah. was the final. Yeah. If, if I'm if I'm the Hall of Fame writers, uh, the the people who have a vote, there would have been a hell of a lot fewer uh, than that. I mean, he would still make the Hall of Fame, but I don't think he was anywhere near unanimous. And I'll say it again, I don't think Mo should have been unanimous either. Like I say, if anyone in recent in living memory should have been a unanimous Hall of Famer, it would be Ken Griffey Jr. Um, in an ideal then, world. That's fine. I mean, then you look at like Jim Tomey, who spent I don't know how much time at first base, but you know was majority of mm -hmm. DH at the end of his career. So, you know, it's one of the other things there. We, is, is he a better, uh, uh, <laughs> was he a better first baseman or better DH? Writer? Jim Tomey produced at an extremely high level for a very long time before he became a, a DH. He had a Hall of Fame first base career. You know, he was no slouch at, uh, at first base either. You know, it's not like he was a useless defensive I'll player. I'll have to look. I have no idea how his defensive career is. So, um, but I, I get in this argument with my friend who's an Indians fan. And, and who's, a better, who's a better player, <laughs> Toby or, or Edgar? We're both <laughs> staunch on our own players. Uh, I'm going to have to stump for Toby on this, this one. I'm so podcast. sorry. But... <laughs> <laughs> We're never talking again. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just said that your guy Griffey should be the only out of this guy. Come on, yeah, I remember so Griffey left. So Edgar was you know everyone treated everyone's hard. He hit the double that scored Griffey. He stayed in Seattle the whole time. Um, you know we we were pretty pissed off when Griffey demanded to go to Cincinnati. Um, you know it was like it was the first time we had a homegrown superstar. Him to force his way out pissed a lot of people off. It's the same thing with like Randy Johnson. You know, uh, he forced his way out off the team mm. and, you know, we all knew he was talented, but, you know, it's like that. It's only now you kind of go back and go, ah, oh, you know, Randy was really good. I, I wish management would have dealt with it better, um, but he just wasn't happy. So, I, you know, you have to look at Mariner management to, you know, what were they doing that was pissing these guys off? Yeah, I mean, that's also a great, a great point. It's amazing how something that looks like a bad deal at the time can later down the line turn out to be a blessing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, uh, that, that year, Ichiro came around, they won 116 games and tied the all-time record. So, you know, we were we were pretty chuffed to see, you know, A-Rod left and we did even better without him. It was the same with the Alex Rodriguez situation as well, albeit I think he was a free agent. Yeah, he wasn't but when traded, you, was he? 
when you have 300 he million sitting in front of you, you're going to take that. And if he had the Rangers, we wouldn't have each yeah, I mean, yeah. It's just like uh, it's just like what happened with the Washington Nationals. Uh, Bryce Harper leaves, and all of a sudden they win the World Series. Yeah, I mean it opened up uh, Soto's playing time, and uh, what's the other guy? Who's the, is it? I can't I should know Victor Robles. That's what it is, and that, and that made all the difference for him. And he spent the money on pitching. So anyway, let's uh, let's close up because this has uh, turned into a bit of a tangent. <laughs> Where can the, the listeners find you on social media? So you can find me on Bubba on Baseball on all social media platforms. And also don't forget to check out Dugout Classics again uh, at the website or on social media platforms as well. As we, as we speak, I'm awaiting my first order from Dugout Classics. Uh, picked up a nice Yankee jersey from the store. So look forward to receiving that. You can catch me on Twitter at John Caps Pipes. Um, we have social media for both Facebook and Twitter for the podcast it's just at caps and pipes uh, if you search those in the search bars you'll find us um do we do we have an instagram page yet we do have an instagram page we haven't posted anything yeah, on it we yet, probably so. won't post much of anything uh, on there anyway um, but i'm assuming it's the same caps and bagpipes on instagram okay, so. so if by all means give us a follow it would it would be very active. Uh, I think you've got too much going on with your other Instagram accounts and stuff like that anyway. So well, you say that now, I'll probably end up taking a, uh, a photo of tonight to say, here we go, here's the man cave, here's where we record from. <laughs> well, by all means do that. Um, I just, I don't do Instagram, so. But yeah, that's, uh, you can hear the show wherever uh, you get your favourite podcasts. Just search Ballcaps and Bagpipes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, obviously we have our homepage at anchor.fm slash caps and pipes uh, please do get in touch with us let us know what you think of the show um, and thank you very much for listening yep guys we'll see you guys next week catch you later goodbye